would say 10 years ago, the rise, whether you call it nationalism or the rise of this belief that we have to focus on communities that have been devastated by globalization, we need to find ways of creating better jobs for more Americans. That in itself is inflationary when you move away from the cheapest price ever to another area. And so that's a fundamental change. We change our immigration policies, and I'm talking about legal immigration, okay? Our legal immigrations, that, that was changed about five years ago, where we have reduced the amount of legal immigration. If you look at the rate of increase of immigrants, legal immigrants in the United States from 2000 to 2017, and the rate that we are growing immigration in the last five years, <clears throat> we're down two million. Two million new entrants to the United States legally. That is very inflationary when we have full employment, when we have these jobs. Think about all the needs for workers. What does that mean when we start implementing our infrastructure bill, when it's going to take up quite a few new jobs? Where are those employees going to be coming from? It's going to create rising wages. And if you look at earnings, many companies are saying rising wages are a part of their degradation of their margins. And Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar, Brian Deese, is Biden's economic advisor, crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. He's talking about legal immigration, legal immigration. Well, what about illegal immigration? How about that? Because although he wants to claim that we're down on legal immigration, I can assure you that we are up on illegal immigration uh, way beyond what we may be lacking in legal immigration. Larry Fink, CEO and chairman of BlackRock. We've talked about BlackRock before. But they are becoming more and more relevant. There are lawsuits that are being brought forward by district attorneys in, I believe, it's 19 states. Um, you're also they're also being attacked by Treasury departments in a few different states. I think the duo of the DAs and the Treasury departments going after BlackRock may actually be able to stop what they're doing. BlackRock is an investment firm that handles around $10 trillion annually. Um, Just to put that into perspective, our general budget is about $4 trillion annually. So they're about two and a half, they handle about two and a half times what we spend on, well, in normal times when we're not spending ourselves into oblivion, what we spend uh, yearly. BlackRock something that's been talked about for a while, and I think it's becoming more and more mainstream. More and more people are paying attention to it. Uh, it's hard to get around investing or using them as an investor because most of your banks that you go to, uh, you know, they're they're investing, but their main backer is BlackRock. It's hard. It's hard to work around them. You have to ask a lot of questions, but if you can, if it's at all possible. You probably want to find somebody that has no link to them so that your money's not being used to push an agenda and it's actually being used to try to profit you instead of hurt you, especially if uh, it's for retirement accounts. I mean, one of the biggest issues that people are having is BlackRock is 
violating their fiduciary responsibilities because they're putting an ideology ahead of what an investment firm does, which is make you, the consumer, make you money. Uh, you know, the whole point of, and it's not just that's, you know, what they're supposed to do. There are laws and rules and regulations that they have to have your best interests uh, as far as your best investments are concerned at heart. They have to try to make you money. They're not allowed to waste your money or spend it on Ponzi schemes because you can go after them for it. And I think that's what uh, these DAs are doing in the States is they're going to go after them because they're neglecting that responsibility. Look, ESG is huge. And again, that's finally becoming a little more mainstream. People are uh, aware of it more than they were a year or two years ago, whenever the first time I talked to you about it was, which was probably only a little bit after I had heard about it and understood it a little better. But ESG is getting, uh, since it's getting more mainstream, I think it's, it's really creating a concern in society now where more people are paying attention to it. Because let's be honest, whether you're on whatever political side you're on, you could have banks and you'll, you'll end up, it'll end up going this way that uh, let's just say you're some type of an influencer and you say something that they they think is off key or you're tweeting something that they think is off key. You go in to get a loan and they look up your social account and now, ah, well, we just can't do business with you because, you know, you talk about things you shouldn't have. Like, for example, let's say for the most part, you're a lefty and you like Joe Biden or you like the idea of having Joe Biden in the beginning, but now seeing how things have turned out, you're a little bit critical of him. Maybe you don't, it's not a full on attack, but maybe you make some sly comments to the effect of, um, you know, why would he pull out of Afghanistan that way? Joe Biden should be ashamed of himself or, oh, you know, this inflation's bad. Joe Biden can control us. He needs to get us under control. Oh my God, I'm paying $5 a gallon for gas. Thanks a lot, Joe Biden. Little silly comments, right? Well, they see that in there and they can't do business with you. Why? Because you're speaking against the leader. You're speaking against the dictator. You're not allowed to do that. So they don't want to have nothing to do with you. You won't be able to get a loan. So it's been exposed enough. We're at a point where I think most Americans have heard of it, even if they haven't dove into it too much. Uh, But they've heard of it enough where it has sparked their interest and they're starting to get backlash uh, from all sides. It definitely needs to happen because do you really want people controlling what you do and what you say? Are you willing to give up that freedom? Are you, are you willing to sit by and watch the people in Washington live the good life? Private jets, nice cars, nice homes, uh, their uh, pantries filled with food while you're on the bottom starving just because you have a different opinion than they have. I mean, are you really to sit by and watch that happen to anybody? Me as a conservative, if they were, if it was a conservative company putting it forth in the same way, but flip it around that if you're a liberal, they're going to stamp you out. I wouldn't be for you one way or the other. It's you are stripping people of their freedom. You were born free. You have the right to think whatever you want to think, you know, and you shouldn't be penalized for it. I mean, unless you're a a complete dirtbag. Like if you think pedophilia is okay, yeah, you should be penalized. But in the real world, because you disagree with people's political stances, you shouldn't be penalized for that. And that's exactly what ESG does. Uh, a, a perfect example of that, prime example, automobiles. 
most automobile makers are now telling us that between the year 2030 and 2035, there will be no more combustion engines. They All cars are going to be electric, whether you like it or not. Well, that's all well and good. Uh, if you have charging stations, if, if the technology's there, fine. Problem with that is you're not giving consumers a choice because there's going to be a lot of people who do financially cannot make that transition. So they're going to need to stay and repair their gas-powered vehicle or maybe they just like a gas-powered vehicle. Like people that build muscle cars. You think that, what are you going to do? How are you going to beef up an electric car? You know, these are gearheads, generations generally of them that enjoy working on their vehicles, enjoy getting that five or six extra horsepower to make it that much better because you have this thing as topped out as you can. You're going to burn a 100-foot uh, uh, tire mark on the road when you take off, and they love it, and these are gas-powered motors. You think you're going to get these guys to convert over to an electric vehicle? No, but it doesn't matter if they want to. They're going to force you to because once all vehicles are electric, what happens to gasoline? You'll probably, it'll probably be a limited supply. And then what's it going to cost per gallon? Is it going to be like race fuel where it's five, at least the last time I checked with one of my buddies, you know, you get five gallons for about 90 bucks, 75 to 90 bucks. I think on a low end and the high end maybe might even be higher than that now. Who knows? But it's going to be where they're going to force your hand. No, you're going to drive what the hell we tell you to drive. This is the problem. Now, I know you're going to have libertarians, and you may even have some conservatives who go, well, these are their companies, and if that's the way they want to take their direction, or, or yeah, go that direction, they should have the right to do so. It's a yes and a no. Yes, I understand where you're at, but no, because they are being forced by an agenda to do so. I think most automakers are going to want to probably make a portion of both. You'll have some electric and you'll have some gas, which to me makes most sense if you want to make money. You know, you provide on both ends. If you like electric vehicles, boom, here we got them. You like gas-powered vehicles, bam, we got them. But the reason that they're going all electric is because politically, financially, people like BlackRock that hold uh, that, that are completely against fossil fuels because they're pushing this agenda, they're forcing them to do it. So is it by choice or is it, uh, yeah, no, we gave them a choice. It's just that financially we're not going to back them if they invest in anything that, need, that requires fossil fuels to run. Well, we can't do that. Sorry, that's against our policy. So their hand's being forced. That's a stripping of freedom because you're being stripped of a choice. You know, same could, same could be said for like phone carriers. What if they say that all these phone carriers, you know, Patriot Mobile, uh, what is the other ones? There's so many of them now. Let's say some of the more conservative phone carriers say that their company to make money, they invest in fossil fuels. Well, now they don't want to get uh, the investment firm, BlackRock, since they pretty much, it's like I said, it's hard to get away from them. They hold the note on everything. Uh, well, we, you know, we can't supply you with any loans. We can't give you loans to upgrade your satellite capabilities. We're not going to give you any loans to buy that new warehouse because you're growing so well, uh, you're growing so large. You need the the space, the office space. We, uh, we can't loan you any of that. You're gonna have to do it on your own. And if you can't do it on your own, I guess you're going out of business. So then it'll they'll dwindle it down to oh, guess what? You get Verizon or you get AT and T or T Mobile. Anything else? You don't get that. You use who we tell you to use. And then the prices, you know, go sky high. It's just like electric cars. Electric cars are expensive now. 
If you think that when they transition over that they're going to get cheaper, you're insane. They hold the key to everything. At that point, they could charge you whatever they want, and they know that you have to come to the table because they're going to weasel fossil fuel out of it. It's very dangerous what's happening with BlackRock. I'm, I'm very pleased to see that exposure is getting bigger and you have a lot of people trying to attack them to get them in check. I think the strongest uh, argument that they have is that they are neglecting their fiduciary responsibilities, that they're using our 401k, our retirement funds, so many people here, and they're going to say, well, no, long-term it's a good investment. Ten years from now, yeah, well, guess what? you got people who are 61 years old who are about to retire. They ain't got ten years to watch their money go down because they're not going to be able to retire. You're going to have to keep working because you have somebody irresponsibly spending your money and causing you to have less. So I hope that they're able to pull this off. They're able to get them in court. Show that that's where it's at, and we could reverse course here. We have to fight tooth and nail to preserve this country and preserve freedom. You know, this has never stopped since Donald Trump. I know we talk a lot about freedom and everybody. Sometimes things get better. Sometimes things get worse. But at the end of the day, we're at a point here where freedom is on the table all day, every day. That is what is at stake. And the more people that finally realize that, you know, the better it's going to end up being for us. An example of uh, another example of what I'm talking about is I saw an interesting article in the Blaze about the uh, new Inflation Reduction Act, which is just a. Of course, they give it that name. They're so full of crap. Uh, but it's a big win. It's a big win for Canada, and it's specifically for electric vehicles. Uh, Trudeau came out and said, you know, it's official. Joe Biden signed legislation that will include Canada and its new tax incentive for electric vehicles purchased in the U.S. That's good news for Canadians, for our green economy, and for our growing EV manufacturing sector. They're going to get tax breaks up to $3,750 for purchasing electric vehicles, not to mention they're going to have plants there making them. So it's one dictator working with another dictator to continue to push in the direction that they want to go. We have to stop this. November is probably the first step in stopping this. 2024 is going to be a big step, but it's going to matter every election going forward forever. (laughs) Every election is going to be important forever to keep this monster at bay. The Democratic Party knows that they have a limited amount of time. They see everything is disastrous around them. They know the American people are starting to finally wake up and they're seeing what's happening and it's getting to a point where they're going to get more and more reckless and more ballsy because that's what you do when you're down by 20 points and there's two minutes left in the game and uh, you got the ball. You're going to try to pull every trick play you can out of the book because you want to win. So that's where we're at. They're going to be reckless. They're going to do the best they can and we must stop them at all costs. November is very, very big. It's going to be a big day. You guys got to get out there and make sure you do what needs to be done uh, to ensure we we continue to be the country that we are today or or that we were. I don't want to be the country we are today because today is just a hot mess. All right, some sad news. Actually, this one really did hit me in the heart a little bit. Uh, New York's 9-11 Museum is to close down permanently. And reason being, just like everything else in New York, 
New York City 9-11 Tribute Museum has announced it's being forced to close down permanently. The museum, which opened in 2006, is located just a couple blocks from where the Twin Towers stood. However, according to the New York Post, a massive drop in visitors due to COVID-19 pandemic means that they can no longer make ends meet. Two-thirds of our income revenue annually comes from our earned income from admissions. We are completely clo- We were completely closed for six months in 2020. We had been averaging around 300,000 visitors a year, and last year we had a total of 26,000 visitors, so it's completely annihilated our uh, earned income. Co-founder Jennifer Adams-Webb said, this is uh, just a shame that they have to close this down permanently. Now, they are not funded by the state nor the government. I personally never looked into it, but that's something I would have assumed the government would have been linked to and the funding would be there for it because it was such a negative but a historical moment in the United States, something we never want to forget because we never want to go back to that place. Uh, I mean, it changed a lot. That was a big day in American history. No matter who you are, if you were alive that day, even if you were a young child, you distinctly remember what you were doing that day, what happened when you heard it. You know the images. We've all seen them. We've all been through it. It was a terrible day. And this was fantastic that they tried to put something there for all the first responders, the innocent civilians, men, women, and children that lost their lives so we could honor them uh, after their death. But apparently it doesn't mean that much to New York City. They're trying right now to get a, um, uh, a uh, oh, I got a brain fart here. Oh, a petition signed for the museum at change.org. It already has over 33,000 signatures. They're trying to get the funding that they need from the state so that way they could keep the doors open or at least get back on track. I don't know how much New York even cares. The reason they're in the situation that they're in is because they were being run by two dictators at the time, Cuomo and uh, de Blasio, and that is where you're at. You are closed because you guys vote blue, and I'm not blaming them, but since New York City in general votes blue and you guys vote for progressive dictators to run your state and city, This is where you're at. They locked you guys up tight. You couldn't get no business, like they said, for a minimum six months. And then after that, it just trickled in because their restrictions lasted far beyond most other states, just like California. And they keep coming back and forth. And a result of that is you're going to lose something that I think is important historically for America to preserve. It should be funded by the government. But You know, if you're a leftist, you like tearing down statues anyways, right? So for them, they're probably happy it's gone. Because in some way or another, let's be honest, they're probably going to say it's racist. And so they're probably happy it's gone. But it is a shame. That that hit me hard because, uh, you know, I was dropping my brother-in-law off at school that day. We heard it on the radio. And just a quick recap, in my mind, you know, when they said a plane hit uh, one of the towers... Yeah, I in my mind I'm like, oh, it must be. I was envisioning like a little small two-seater prop plane, and I'm like, damn, that's messed up. You know, some people are gonna get hurt. When I finally got back to the house and turned the TV on, it was on every single station. When I saw the first image of the first building on fire and smoking, I realized, oh, this is not what I thought it was. And then you know everything else after that. So. 
Shame to see that go down. They did say that if it closes permanently, if they can't save it, which it doesn't look like at this point they're going to be able to, they're going to send most of the artifacts to Albany, to a museum there, and then they're going to split them up and, I guess, send them around to different museums around the United States. So that's that. All right. It's Friday. <laughs> I'm done with all the negative stuff. Let's get to it. As for every Friday, being that I am fat, I love making fun of fat people. Okay. Well, it's hot. And unless you're fat, you really have no idea. See, if you go outside and you're a fit and you're a thin person by all accounts, you think it's hot and then you know, you go inside somewhere, you cool down pretty easily. You know, even I've even seen some thin people that when they go inside after being outside, they'll put a little light jacket on because they're cold in there. I want to give you a little insight to what's happening internally with fat people during hot weather. It's not the same as you. See, generally, we're since we're all fluffy, you know, we're hot all the time, even in the A.C., you're always just sweating a little bit. You start moving too much, you start sweating because you're over-insulated. To, 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 if you want to feel the way we feel, put your, all your, your thickest winter clothes on and go outside. You'll get a small taste into what it's like to walk around in these fat bodies all the time. Me, myself, you know, I'm a sweater. I've always been a sweater. I'm glad I'm not smelly because some people that sweat and they walk by and they they just, they stink. I'm glad I'm not that way. You know, God blessed me in that. I don't smell like, uh, I tell my wife all the time when people walk behind a grocery store and I'm like, oh, good God, that person's ripe. And I told her, you know what they smell like to me is that, uh, what is that, that, uh, that dip that everybody likes? I, I can't sm- stand it because to me, I think it smells like armpits. It's, uh, no, it'll come to me. Anyways, they stink. I don't have that problem, but the problem I do have is like most fat people that I'm already hot as it is. So when I walk outside the sweating, it's almost like instantaneous. It doesn't even give me a moment where some people go, I'm cold. They stand outside and they're like, Oh, I'm just warming up for a minute. Cause it's cold in there, even though it's hot out here. And then maybe five or 10 minutes later, they're like, all right, it's too hot. I gotta go back inside. No, no, I'm hot. And then when I go outside, it's like, Holy crap. Someone threw me in the oven. Fat gay. When you are fat, you sweat in places that are not natural. You'll feel something that you you might think is a bug running down your back because maybe the little fold behind your back arm, a little bit's dripping down and running down where your shirt's not touching, and you're like, oh, sh-, and you gotta you gotta you gotta itch back there just in case, and you realize, oh, my hands wet, great, I'm sweating back there. I gotta go get somewhere where it's cold. If you ever walk in a grocery store. You may see a fat person that came straight from outside and they go to the frozen food section. Believe me, we're not looking for frozen food. We're pretending to as we open the door and we're sitting there inhaling sub-zero temperatures because we're dying from being fat. So, my fun fat fact is, fatties, if you want that to change, you're going to have to do, I know it sucks, man, but you got to do it. You got to go on a diet. You got to burn some of that weight off. I have a fluffy friend. It was funny. uh, A buddy of mine, he was fat. Then he got skinny. And now he's extra fat, which that seems to be natural too. We could talk about that at a later day. It was funny that when he was fat originally and he had been fat his whole life, he was hot. Then when he lost all the weight, he was always cold. He put the weight back on 
And he's one of those weird fat people that he's like, it's cold outside, man. I got to put, I got to put a sweatshirt on. And I'm like, are you nuts? It's, it's 65 degrees outside. It ain't cold. I'm ready to run around in a speedo. God forbid. If you ever saw that, you would just, it would be a bad moment for you. You probably want to put bleach in your eyes, but I'm ready to go. I'm like, this is great. 65 degrees. I finally feel cool outside, but he's, uh, He's one of the ones that it looks like once he lost that initial insulation, he never got it back to the same thickness that he had it the first time. (laughs) So, fatties, if you're tired of being hot all the time, sorry, unfortunate to tell you this. I know that the D word is a a rough word to hear when you're a fatso, but uh, yeah, you got to hit a diet. Get down thin and then uh, you can be nice and cool, I would assume. I wouldn't know. I'm not thin. I haven't been there, but uh, that's what I hear anyways. Man, it sucks. <laughs> All right. Now, I hope you like what you hear. If you do, please rate and review me, especially on Apple. It does help people find me. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to me, littlejoecc.com. Go to the contact section. You can also check out any of my podcast videos or news uh, articles on there. It's all there. Uh, beyond that, if you don't want to do that, you just want to see a video, you can go to uh, YouTube, Little Joe CC, Rumble, Little Joe's Conservative Corner. I hope you have a beautiful weekend. Enjoy yourself. We will do it again on Monday. Thank you.